so here we are. We are in the fifth message of this sermon series called Keep the Change. I guess you could really say sixth if it counted last week because it did have a lot to do with really what we're talking about in, in essence um, of changing, want to see change within our lives. These last uh, few weeks we've talked just about that. Here we are at, uh, well, we're now the 1st of February. Um, Valentine's Day is coming up, gentlemen. Don't forget, all right? Ladies, you better not forget either, all right? There you go. Both works, goes both ways, right? But um, we're, we're talking about change and, and good change within our lives. You know, we, we understand this, that the Bible, and we really saw that in the book of James several weeks ago, that the Bible really is to act as a mirror for us as we look into it in our daily lives because after all, this is something that we have a responsibility of allowing to be a part of our daily life. It's important to have the Word of God and to be interactive with it and allow it to speak into us. We need that strength. I mean, if we didn't need it, why would God have given it to us? You know, it's kind of like going to the doctor and you got an illness. You go to the doctor to, to, to uh, you know, get it taken care of. The doctor gives you a prescription or gives you a great plan for, the, for your life to bring change and then ignoring it. And then wondering why you're either feeling horrible or getting worse. So let that resonate inside of some of you right now for a second. You have the word of God for a reason. The word of God is powerful. The word of God is life. It's breathing. The word of God is truth. Allow this to be every bit of part of your every day. But you know, James tells us that really when we look into it, what we're looking at here is a mirror, a reflection back to us. And God is kind of, you know, when we're reading, what, taking that finger, right, and pointing into it and go, maybe you need to work in this area in your life. You know, m maybe that attitude needs to change. Maybe, you know what, that, that uh, relationship, that marriage needs to allow me to be, what, the center of it. Uh, maybe, maybe you need to be more committed to, oh, oh, here we go, to the house of God, right? Maybe, maybe you need to take and understand what my love is all about, my compassion. So the word of God is so key for us within our lives so that we can allow these changes to happen. And the reason why we did this series at this time of the year is because everyone is prone to allow change to happen as a new year comes about. The Bible tells us, and it actually encourages us to have change, it says, make a vow before the Lord. Make a covenant, make a contract right before the Lord. What does that really mean? That means God's saying, look, you need to have some change within your lives. There needs to be some things that become different. The old way, the habits, the, 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 the struggle is real, all of that. Well, God says, I want to help you out in that. I want to I get you through those moments. I, I want to be there. I want to be that strength. So when we make that vow before the Lord, it, and, and the rest of that scripture simply says this, keep it. Keep it. Keep the change. Don't, don't get weak. Don't get tired, right? Don't get in, caught up into the mundane some of you made some real great progress during the 21 days of fast. I certainly hope that progress didn't change. I hope it didn't stop. But I hope you're continuing going after more and more of God. But we're in this fifth uh, message. And, and what we're going to look at today is in uh, two passages of, of Scripture. In 1 Samuel 17 and then in 1 Samuel chapter 21. But we've talked about throughout this series... Picking the right change. We've talked about the power for change. We, we understand that we have an agent within our lives. And who is that agent? Simply the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the plan for change. And we've talked about protecting this change. Protecting the progress. Because changing is what? Only half the battle. So many people will change and allow change to come in. But over time, they allow that change to Eventually, what, die off? We need to protect that change. Today, what we're going to talk about is a potential that change unleashes in your life. 1 Samuel 17 and 21, both of these passages are all about David. And arguably, he's probably one of the most, what, famous individuals, famous characters that we read throughout the scriptures. Other than, obviously, Jesus himself. But... And in 1 Samuel 17, we're looking at a moment here 
where David is about to engage in a very crucial moment in his young life. He's about to get into, uh, it's almost like a prized fight, a televised fight. It would be, many would say, would be one of the most famous moments of David's life. And he's about to fight this giant named Goliath. Now, when nations had a conflict or a riff, uh, back in this day, what they typically would do is they would take their best gladiator, their best fighter, and, and they would, you know, oppose the other side's best gladiator, best fighter, and come, and, and they would have a fight, and typically, whatever the result was from the fight was what both sides pretty much agreed to. So the Philistines here in this passage of Scripture in 1 Samuel 17, they pick their tallest, strongest guy. He's their champion, and they send him down into the valley of Elah. And David, how does he end up fighting this massive giant? What is the backstory here? How does he end up being the one when there's so many other warriors that are being represented in this moment, but he wasn't a soldier? He was what we call, and we understand, as the Bible says, just merely a shepherd. He wasn't even supposed to even be around there that day. And he was just doing simply as his father had told him to do. He was doing a a, a chore. David's father said, hey, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go and deliver some food to your brothers. And as he's carrying these uh, loaves of bread and, and, and cheese and all of this to them, he's delivering the food. And he overhears this giant Goliath making fun of the troops of Israel because no one was brave enough to face him. Day after day, this was going on, and he was belittling Israel. He was belittling God, and he was belittling the name of the Lord. And here you've got this young shepherd boy who's already been anointed as to be a king, and he's approaching where all of this is taking place. He's overhearing all of this, and he's like, wait a minute, who is this person who is disrespecting Who is this enormous giant in this valley? And if no one is willing to do something, I guess I just will have to be the one to stand up against him. So David doesn't say anything about how difficult potentially this could be. In his mind, David is thinking one thing. If this needs to be done, then I'm going to be the one to do it. No one at that in those few moments is traditionally or, or really that we see through Scripture taking David very seriously. His brothers aren't. King Saul at the moment isn't. In fact, they were kind of mocking him to a point and expecting David to be really walking into what his next big event for his life would be a funeral. Everyone is pretty much trying to talk him out of it. But David being a strong-willed, stubborn individual. Is anybody like that in here? Anybody strong? Don't Don't look at your spouse. But what David saw here in this moment was the invisible, and he saw that the invisible could actually become something very, very possible and seen and known. He wasn't doing it for his own praise, but he was doing it to fulfill what he feels was his life destiny in that moment. His mindset is if God is for him, then who simply could be against him? Let me repeat that. David in this moment, and it's it's a scripture that we all know so very well, and I say it many times, but if God was for him, thank you. All right, let's pick up here in our scripture. 1 Samuel 17, 40, it says this. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd bag, and with his sling in his hand, He did what? He approached the Philistines. So before he goes to fight this large giant, he goes to this stream and he chooses five smooth stones and places them within his pouch. Now, this isn't something that, and and I want to say that, you know, I I think in that moment, I I try to picture it. I don't know if if you guys ever do that when you're reading these stories and and reading the word of God. You try to, you know, kind of animate it in your mind because 
if I don't, it gets really boring. You know what I mean? I, I need to see something here. So I, I, I sit there and I kind of animate it in my mind of what's truly happening here. So here you've got this young boy and he's approaching, you know, to, to do as his father instructed him. That's, that's new, isn't it? <laughs> that, that's, wow, that's, 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 you know, we need to bring that back, don't we? Maybe we need to bring that back in doing as what our father instructs us. And, and how, do, how else do we know what God instructs us other than what? Allowing the word of God to be a part of our everyday. But what is very intriguing here to me is that more than likely he goes over to this stream and he does something very profound, very unheard of in, in many homes throughout America or society today. But he does something very interesting. What does he do? He bends down. He's about to go into what is the most difficult moment of his life, potentially. Reading this story, you're seeing this young child, this young man, growing up. And he's approaching this giant. He's like, no one's going to disrespect my God. I know what the plan is for my life, so I know that it does not end here because God has given me promise within my life. Some of you need to hear that. You need to take that. These are golden nuggets for your life right now. These are these moments where you need to be writing stuff down. Embed this in my heart. Embed this in my mind, Lord. Embed this within my soul. Get this visual if you can for this next moment. But the Bible says he goes to the stream and he picks up five smooth stones. What's interesting to me about that is typically, or chances are, what did he do? He got down on a knee. Maybe he got down on both knees. About to go into what could be the most crucial moment for this young man's life. A transitional moment. A moment that would be read for centuries and generations to come. A moment that would change the church's life forever. It says that he bends down. What does he do? We know that he grabs a few stones. But what else in that moment? Well, I know what I would be doing. Father, I'm not quite sure what you have got me into. In this moment, my stubbornness has definitely put me in a predicament. But I will not let anyone disgrace your name or your people. And if no one else will stand up, then I will stand up. And you will empower me because you have spoken promise and you have spoken life over me, and I know that my future is still ahead of me in you. And this enemy that's standing before me and standing before your people will not be victorious. Now, what does that have to do with us? What does that have to do? I look at it this way. I need that quiet time with the Lord. Every day when I, I don't know what the battles that are going to face me day in and day out. I don't have a clue by the time I open my eyes, the things that are going to come against me. All I know is, is I better be in tune with the Holy Spirit. I better allow God's word to be a part of my life. And I most definitely better have a moment where I'm giving God my attention and saying, Lord, here I am. As the prophet Isaiah said, what did he say? We talked about that last week. Use me, Lord, send me here I am. Take that hot coal. Purify my lips. Renew, Father, my spirit day in and day out. Allow my relationship, Lord, to be with you. What? Strong. And my, don't allow me to be cast to the left and to the right. Don't allow me to continue to look backwards. But, Lord, let me be focused on what's ahead of me and you, Lord, guiding my every step. So I think about David in that moment. One of the most profound things, one of the most important things he could have ever done was simply what? Get down on that knee and pick up those stones. Many times we go into the battles of life with our pouch completely empty because we haven't taken that time, what? To get on our knees or to ask for the strength to receive what God knows that we are going to need in order to get through the battles that we are going to be faced with. Often we reach our hand into our pouch only to find that there is what? Simply nothing there. Oftentimes, we're looking at other people to be those stones. 
We're looking at other resources when we are truly missing out on the greatest resource that has ever been given to us, and that is through God the Father, through God the Son, and through who? God the Holy Spirit. David, I love him in this moment. His response, he's like, all you talk, all of your talk that you're doing, Goliath, I don't come to you with a sword or spear. But he goes, I come to you, what? In the name of the Lord. And today, he is going to deliver you into my hand, and I'm going to cut your head off. Now watch this. 1 Samuel 17, 48, let's continue in the scripture. It says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Stop right there. I love that. Before he could allow doubt and fear to enter in, what does he do? I know what God has instructed me to do, and I'm coming into this battle right now. I'm not going to go and look for advice from everyone around me. I'm not looking to social media. I'm not going to go to Fox News. I'm not going to go to all this stuff. What am I going to do? I'm going to go right into the battle what God has placed me into in that moment. Because I know that I will be victorious. Now, here we go. Verse 49, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and he struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Notice that there was no sword. How are you going to cut someone's head off, David, if you don't even have the sword? Or even have a sword. Watch this, verse 51. David ran again. And he stood over him. You know, here's, here's what I want to say here. Sometimes what we think is just because we've given an enemy a knock or a blow, that he's done, he's out for the count. And we walk away and we don't finish the job. David recognized that. He said, oh, if this dude's not out, he's going to be ticked, and I got to take care of this even bad. It, this, this could be potentially bad for me, right? So what does it say? He says, the moment, boom, he hit him, he drops, he runs over, he picks up the sword, and what did he do? After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and they ran. Love that. I love that story. Now, let's go look in chapter 21 here in the next few moments. Several years has now passed. David has become a general in the army of Israel. He's also become the son-in-law to the king. His family no longer has to pay taxes. Praise God. He's got military prestige. He's fighting battle after battle. God's continuing to bless him daily. This is someone you want, obviously, what? On your team. You don't want to be against this guy, you know? You want him with you. So he did so well fighting these battles, but the people developed a song that simply said, Saul only killed thousands, but David has killed tens of thousands. David didn't write this song. The people did, all right? Can you imagine how upset he must have became through that? You ever notice this? Watch this. Insecure people will always detest someone else being blessed. I'm going to repeat that. Insecure people will always detest someone else being blessed. And watch this, even if they're doing it for them. Saul had given up on his dream already. He was no longer doing what he was doing for God's name, but he was rather doing it for his. He was trying to boast himself and make himself into something. He was no longer walking before God with a clean heart. So Saul put... At this, up to this point, had already had six attempts at David's life. The first several times, uh, I don't know if you can re really say, you know, the attempts were casual. If somebody's trying to kill you, it's not really casual. But we read in the scripture that David was a harpist. He's playing music, and Saul sometimes would become outraged and just throw a spear at him. First time I'm out the door, man, we're done. Game over. Right? God, yeah, well, you're not doing this. You know what I mean? But we see in David, what does he do? He stays at it. He continues to go after. He's, 
he's dodging the spears, but he keeps working. You know, I say that because I truly believe that the enemy is constantly, as the church and as individuals following Christ, is throwing arrows at us. Fiery ones, trying to put you out, take you out of the game. And sometimes we get disheartened by that. And many will run and go, you know what? I can't do this. I don't understand. You know, when I'm living for the world, it doesn't seem like I'm being attacked. When I'm living for the Lord, it seems like I'm being attacked. No kidding. You're no good to the enemy. You know, when you're you uh, living for him, he wants to come against you hard when you're living for Jesus. He wants to discourage you. He wants to bring doubt and fear. He wants you to begin to second guess. Those are those darts that are coming at you. I love how David did it, man. He, you know what? He didn't allow it to sway him one way or another. What did he do? He kept doing what he was supposed to do. Listening, doing what God wants him to do. That invites opposition. Now David began to understand that it was time for him to get out of there. David had wise counsel that confirmed this in his life. Jonathan, who was the son of the king, is kind of like, David, listen up. Here's what you need to do. You need to get out of here now. My father's a maniac. He's wanting to kill you. So we read in the scriptures that what did David do? He left in the night and was gone for almost a decade as a fugitive. Where does David go? He goes to a place called Nob, N-O-B. This is a place where they kept the Ark of the Covenant in that day. The tabernacle uh, was, was set up there, and it was where the high priest was at. Nob essentially is the place right before the real battle that was to be, really begin for David. A place where when you think of it for David was at a stream in 1 Samuel 17. Where, where, what did he do? Where he bent down and picked up those smooth stones. Nob would be considered as Maybe the church today. Nob could be considered as, in that moment, that quiet place where David was spending that time with God before he was going into what was one of the most crucial moments of his life. Where things really began to take off for this young man. He could have ran. He could have uh, not faced the opposition that was before him. But what David pretty much did was he got himself to church. Once David got to Nob, him and his friends went to Ahimelech, the high priest, and he asked for something to eat. David says, we're hungry. And you would think that the response in that moment would be, sure, we can give you food. But the response was, well, I got a problem. We have nothing here. All we have here is the showbread or what was considered as, we would consider as the communion bread or the communion crackers. So Ahimelech gave them the showbread. Now this would have been looked, sat, uh, frowned upon at that time. It would have been kind of a, a moment of, you know, they were being sacrilegious. But the high priest did this anyway. Now, what I found interesting is when you fast forward to the New Testament, Jesus actually refers back to this story. And he says something to the nature of Ahimelech, knew that God's priority is never over, listen to this, religious procedures, but it's always over the saving of lives. Sometimes grace can be messy. Sometimes grace doesn't make sense. But listen, it's our responsibility to be always going and doing the business of Jesus and giving out what grace, love, compassion, forgiveness. There's people who are in need and people must receive grace because Jesus died on the cross for those people, just as he's died for you. I refer back in my life and I look and I go, if it wasn't for the grace of God, where would I be today? But even so, if it wasn't for people acting and giving grace to me as well. It's so important. So here we go. 
Ahimelech made the decision, he made the call, and he gave David this bread. So now David and the men, they're happy and they're fired up. I love this story because this is really going to get really cool in just a second, right? They're fired up. They're ready to go back out and head out with David. But there's one last question. 1 Samuel 21 verse 8 says this. David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon. Because the king's mission was urgent. He's saying, look, this guy was after me. I was given wise counsel to get out. I did what I was supposed to do. In fact, I don't have nothing with me. Do you have something that I can have? The priests reply, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah is here. It's wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod, which is a religious garment at that time. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. David said, there is none like it, give it to me. So now, here we have two separate passages or episodes that are completely connected and they're related. David, in the first one, he got ahead of Goliath. What I mean by that is he didn't know what was happening in that moment that he was truly getting ahead of himself to where it would be helping him down the road later on many years. Now, getting ahead of yourself is typically frowned upon, right? Or what, putting the cart before the horse? Typically we go, oh, you, you know, you need to plan that out better. Hey, whoa, wait a minute. Don't get ahead of yourself, all right? This kind of happened for David in that moment, all right? Let's look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 26. I love this scripture. It says, give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. In other words, what? Take some time to look around and see what's happening around you. We need to ask ourselves these questions. Where is it that I want to get to? And is the path I'm going on going to get me there? Trust me, this is all going to come together in just a minute. But let me ask you those questions again. Where is it that you are wanting to get to? And is the path that you're currently on going to get you there? What does that mean? How, what are the things that you are doing? What are those changes that you know that God has led for you to do differently within your life? What are the things that you're involved in? Are they going to be fruitful in helping you to get you to where God wants you to be? Or are you still allowing the same activities, the same relationships, the same environments to be a part of your life? You look all throughout scripture, especially with Jesus, and you see many moments when he approached people to, to, to uh, perform those miracles and, and give those miracles out. His crowd always became what? Smaller. When he would go to the homes many times, he would go with 12, and then it was like he only had three there. Somewhere along the way, he was able to filter out the noise Gosh. He was able to filter out the noise that was trying to be opposition, that was distracting him and pulling him away from what the promise was that God had for his life or for those that he was going to interact with. The same thing must be necessary for us. How can you expect for something different? How can you expect to keep change? When maybe God is directing you and showing you that relationships you no longer to be, need to be involved in. The circle may, of your influence might need to become smaller. This isn't popular. People don't want to hear this. Because you get challenged and what happens? You get just a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe there's some environments that you need to leave out of your life. Some atmospheres that are not healthy spiritually for you. They, those things, what, need to be gone. All right. I'll get off that one for a minute. We have become okay with just getting by. Watch this. I love this. And I hate it all at the same time. Succeeding with the least effort as possible. Have you ever met somebody like that? Have you ever been somebody like that? Well, we accomplished this, and then, you know, we didn't, we didn't accomplish what we really wanted to, but we made some accomplishments, so we're good. I don't want that spiritually for your life. 
more importantly, God doesn't want that spiritually for your life. Don't be satisfied with just getting by. Why, why are we where, the way we are right now in America? Because we've been satisfied for so long with satisfying what? Gray areas. We'll get on that soapbox again. We need to understand something. John 10.10 says what? The enemy? He's, where to, he's there for what? To steal? To kill? And to destroy? It's not about a group or individuals. Don't lose your focus. It's about Satan. He's the one who's trying to what? Get you away from the change. We must stop settling. We must stop being content. But begin to look and see all that God has for us. Experiencing what God's provision and experiencing God's power. What you will fight through will one day fight for you. The sword taken from Goliath's hand in chapter 17 is now again in David's hand in chapter 21, arming him for a mission that would eventually he would have to face. We look at our lives in any season that we are in. We need to understand what you are planning. You will harvest. What you are sowing will come to be. So what is it that you're planning and sowing in your life? Is it lies, distrust, lack of integrity? Because watch, watch, it'll come back. Are you planning love and compassion and forgiveness? Are you planning grace? What are the things that you're planning in your life? Because if you are planning anything that's deceit or lies or anything that goes against this word, that's what one day you're going to harvest. We see that right now with where we are in society. Four truths we're going to look at. Number one, to bring change within your life. Four truths. Number one, be courageous. I love that the Bible says that David ran, again, what? Toward Goliath. That, and that moment should have been irrational. I'm a shepherd boy. I'm about to fight a tran, trained man of war. I'm not sure that I would be running toward Goliath. Many of us approach change that way within our lives. What? We slowly come to it, but God, what? Puts his finger on those spots within our lives. He says, I need this changed in you. Let's go. Let's go. My son, Carter, he's eight years old, and he's, I, you, you've heard me say this before, he loves Fortnite. Then there's another game, H1Z1 Royale and Realm Royale, and all these, he, he likes to play with his friends, and uh, I overhear, he's got these headphones on, you know what I mean, and he's talking to his buddies, and man, they get loud too, you know? I'm like, the headphones are there, so I don't have to hear everyone else, but I think he thinks they're all deaf. And so he's screaming. And man, when he gets into a moment and he gets hyped up, here's what he does. He goes, let's go. He says, let's go. I think to myself, man, we need to have an attitude of let's go. Let's go after the change. Let's be courageous. Let's go after what God has called us to do. Let's go. Let's not be silent any longer. Let our voice project and be heard. Let's go. Let's be different. So that why we can have a different result than what it's been. Let's go. Let's put the bottle down. Let's go. Let's shut off the pornography. Let's go. Let's get into the right relationships. Let's go. Let's cut off the bad relationships. Let's go. Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor. Look, if you don't run toward it, it's going to come against you. It'll take you out. If you don't go after it, it's going to knock you out of the game. Game over. Mm. All right. I'm sweating. Number two. Initiate the conflict with the enemy. 
He's initiated with you long enough. That's not number two. I mean, that's number two. Let's not talk about number one and number two, all right? That was dumb. Initiate the conflict. I love it, David. What did he do in that moment? It says he ran. He was courageous. He went down. He said, Father, you have called me for a greater purpose than even this stupid moment right here. We got to get through this. This is nothing but a detour in what the promises that you have for my life. These people around here, they're so lazy. They're not brave. They have no faith in you. I'll stand up and take care of it. Let's go. Initiate the, that's what David did. He didn't look for Goliath to point him out, did he? What did he do? He said, yeah, you're going down. I'm tired of this. You will not, you will not disrespect my God. You will not go against his people. I, let's go. God, me and you, let's take this dude out. Come on now. Initiate that conflict. All right, number two. Be generous. David didn't receive the sword at Nob just because he took it from the hand of Goliath. God put the sword in his hand. What did Nob represent? Again, it was a church. It was a dwelling place of God. Understand that when the tabernacle was put in the Old Testament, God said that you can meet with me where? Here. There. It's obvious that since the sword is at Nob, that David at some point gave, gave the sword back to what? God. Scripture tells us that when, when all of that went down with David and Goliath, that David took Goliath's armor. Watch this, 1 Samuel 17, 54. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. Now, you want to hear something very interesting here about that? Many believe that when he took the head to Jerusalem, he placed it and he buried it at Calvary, which is also known as the place of what? The skull. I love that. Some of you will get it later. It was on to say, but he put his armor, what, in his tent. The armor went to David, but the sword went to the house of God, the tabernacle. Everything after the conflict went to David, but the sword went to God. The thing that Goliath said he was going to chop off David's head with, David said, no, I don't come with you, what, with a sword, but I come to you, what, in the name of the Lord, and was able to take Goliath's sword and cut the enemy's head off with his own weapon. It's kind of like that whole saying, you know, whole deal with whatever the devil meant for harm, God's going to mean for good for your life. I love that part, right? Now watch this. God, right, everything that he has given me, my job, the air in my lungs, my family, all of that truly belongs to him. God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my first thing, the best thing that I have, and I'm going to give it to you in honor of you. Had he not given the sword to the Lord, he would have never been able to get it when his greatest time of need was there. He understood the first fruit. So y'all don't want to hear that. The first fruit must go back to God. Why? Simply this. Because God knows later on down the road, you're going to need to take a... You need some. You need some back. You're, You're going through a struggle. God sees that. He goes, here's your resource. Because I've got it all under control. What is our lack of giving keeping us or keeping God from giving you? When we withhold... Well, here's what we're truly doing. We're shutting the windows of heaven and saying, God, I don't need that in my life. I can take care of it. David gave the sword not knowing that God was going to hold it and give it back to him in his greatest time of need. All right, number three, here we go. Be constant, right? What does that mean? Being unchangingly, being faithful, being dependable. Are you a dependable person? Is that you? David, regardless of who was watching him, 
or simply even what others thought. David was going to do what David was going to do, and it was what? He was going to sing a song, he was going to fight a battle, and he was going to defend a flock. David was a shepherd, he was a poet, and he was a warrior. One of the greatest things that I love about his whole story is when he was anointed to be king, he didn't allow his head to blow up one bit, did he? He went right back to doing what he was doing, right back to the fields, right back to serving. He knew that God was prepping him, preparing him through all of that. Let's look in 1 Samuel 17, verse 36. He says, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. In other words, he's saying, it's no big deal. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. What is he saying there? He's like, he's coming against the flock. We can't have that. David is unswerving in his dependability. Regardless of the flames of fires that are coming against him, the arrows that are coming against him, regardless of the ridicule, regardless of the crowd, he's not worried about the fame, none of that. None of that changes David. He stays faithful in what God had called him to do. David was anointed as a king, but he went back to the field. He did it as his father said, go and deliver food to your brothers. David was this. He was constant. He stayed consistent. He stayed consistent. He stayed consistent. He stayed Consistent, that's a good word, Pastor. Amen. Good. Watch this. He stayed consistent regardless of the fear and the doubt, the ridicule, regardless of how hard things might have been, regardless of how long it took for his destiny to be fulfilled, he did what? He stayed consistent because he knew what God promised was one day going to come to be. Maybe not in his timing. I'm sure there was moments where David was like, God, can we hurry this thing up? I mean, can we hurry this thing up? I'm getting tired of waiting. We've been there, haven't we? Last last thing, number four. Be loyal. Even when Saul was trying to take David out, he was still honoring his leadership. That's a tough one right there. We're feeling that one ourselves. But we need to understand the authority that God has placed over us, regardless whether we like it or not. And we must be respectful. Don't allow ourselves to come to the level of the enemy. But let's stand tall, let's stand firm, and be loyal as God has instructed us to be loyal. He was loyal to his friends. He loved, he was loyal to Jonathan. And Jonathan being the, the, the Saul's son, so much so that even when Jonathan was dead, he was what, still looking after his family, his relatives. But most importantly, David was loyal to the Lord. Specifically God's house. He's on the run, but he makes a beeline to the house of God. Let's take a look in Psalm 27 and 4 real fast. It says this, One thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And that that, that speaks beauty right there. It should inspire us to want to be every moment we can. God, I want to be in your presence. I want to be with your people. We're made in the image of his likeness, right? We're in the made of the image of God. It says in our image, right? What is that saying? It means God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that is a thing of you. The church is beautiful. When we are here together, we're in a beautiful presence. The Holy Spirit. And David recognized that. He goes, I just want to be in your presence. He understood provision and he understood protection. See, in 1 Samuel 21, he went to the house of the Lord for provision. 
His goal of going there that day was simply, we're hungry. We, we need food. My men are hungry. We're tired. We need a place where we can rest. We need a place where we can become refreshed. We need a place where we can be fed, not only physically, but also spiritually. He saw a place of refuge in the house of God. This isn't a house of conflict. When we're doing things as scripture says, this isn't a house of conflict. This is a house of God. This is the temple. He understood that he was going to get provision. And so he went there. And as he's there and he asks for something to eat and the showbread is given to him, he goes, I, you know what, I got one more question. You got a sword around here? Things got busy, hectic. I forgot mine back home and I can't go back. You got a sword? The high priest looks at him and says, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That one that you cut the giant's head off, I still, we, we have that. Here, take that. Coming into the house of God, he not only got provision, but now he got protection. This says a lot when we can come into God's house. We get provision and we get protection. Where's your sword? Here it is. Here's your sword. You have, you have many of them in your home. You come in here. Why do you come in here? Well, we'll give you provision. I'll give you some pastries out here and some coffee and tea and water and all that good stuff. But you're getting something even more special. You're getting a presence of the Holy Spirit that you can't get in society, in this world. You're coming here with fellow believers who love Jesus as much or more than you. And there's power in numbers. That's what we get when we come into this house. Bread for the journey and a sword for the struggle. Welcome the word in your life. Like David did with the sword. Welcome the word of God in your life. I feel like I'm a broken record on that. I really do. But it's needed. Man, welcome this word. You know, some of you, what, what, you'll sit there and you'll hear that and you're like, I need I, I need and week after week after week you keep hearing I need it in fact you've even felt at one time you felt con conviction now you're kind of allowing it to be what condemnation condemnation is there only to what keep you away from God conviction is there to what bring you to God so let this word be a part of your life welcome the word of God 1 Samuel 2 9 there is none like it, give it to me. Lord, give me what you want for me. Give me your will. Stand with me this morning. It's been a great day, hasn't it already? It's only gonna get better when the Rams beat the Patriots later. Sorry, Winnie. But you want to know what a true victory is? Here's a true victory. When someone gives their life to Jesus Christ. There's no victory that can ever surpass that. So I want you to close your eyes for a moment. I just want you to listen here. And that is this. All of this that I said, you know my routine means absolutely nothing to your life. Unless you allow Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior. Be your master, to be your guide to be your provision and your protection. And that can only come through saying, you know what? Yes, Jesus, come into my life. Save me today. I give you my life today, Lord. Forgive me my sin. You know, if that's you this morning, you want to say, you know what? I want to make that commitment this morning. Maybe you've never asked Jesus into your heart before. And if that's you today and you want to make that happen in your life today, all you have to do is raise your hand. Slip up your hand. One second. I see those hands. I see that hand. One more moment. If that is you today, let's pray this prayer together boldly as a church and let's do it enthusiastically because this is a huge victory.
In these next moments, you go cut the head off of Satan. Amen? Here we go. Let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, today I commit my life to you. Be my Lord, be my master, and be my Savior. Forgive me my sins, lead me, and protect me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen. Now, have you enjoyed this sermon series, Keep the Change? I'm going to be honest, it's probably one of my favorites, other than the one I did on the Holy Spirit back in the summer, I think. If you've never heard that, go to our Facebook page, check it out. Or not our Facebook page, our website. And check it out. It's a great series on the Holy Spirit. I really, God really breaks things down for us in that. I love it. But you know, change. We want to keep this change. Here's my fear is that now that the sermon series is over, it's going to be off of your mind. I don't want that. I want you to be striving to keep the change every single day to your last breath. Because I love what Paul says, our existence here is only a vapor compared to what our eternal existence is. So make it worth something. Let's keep that change. So if that's you this morning, and you say, you know what, Pastor, I want to keep that change. I, I want... I want to be included in this prayer that I'm about to pray over you. And that is this, Lord, help us keep the change. Don't let us waver. Don't let us get lazy. Don't let us drop the ball. Don't let us run away. Lord, let us go run toward you. If that's you today, raise your hand. Awesome. Let's pray. God, you see every individual in this room today that wants to keep the change you've ordained and ordered over their lives. From this moment forward, Lord, we won't waver, but God, we will be courageous. We'll be constant. God, we're going to be loyal to you. So Father, not only through that, but we're going to be generous to the house of the Lord. So God, help us to keep the change. Empower us through your Holy Spirit. The key agent. God, that gives us that strength. Speak to our hearts and our minds. Lord, allow us to let your word be our provision and our protection. May we continually, Lord, come into the house of God and allow you, God, to speak life into these dry bones. Holy Spirit, move in every life. We leave this place, people will know that we've been in the presence of God. And God, we will not let our guard down, but God, we will run toward you. So Father, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, and the church says, amen. We love you guys. Have a great one.